I'm David Farrier, a New Zealander accidentally marooned in America, and I want to figure out what makes this country tick. Now, 1996 was a huge year for action movies. We had Independence Day, Mars Attacks, and the first Mission Impossible film. We also had Twister. Twister introduced me to the world of storm chasers, Americans who put themselves in the middle of hideous weather just for the thrill of it all. Before Twister, storm chasing wasn't really all that well known to me. Today, of course, it's everywhere, thanks to various reality TV shows and YouTube channels. And while people do chase storms the world over, America is where it really pops off, getting craziest in May and June in a place charmingly called Tornado Alley the Great Plains of the United States. There are about 1,200 tornadoes in America each year, and so what else was I to do but set off for Tornado Alley to see what all the fuss was about? I set out to meet some of those who chased the storms, but I also wanted to find out what it was like for those that weren't chasing, for those that were out there having a normal day in America, only to have a giant tornado arrive on their doorstep and change their lives forever. So, Grab your weather gear, GPS, and heavily fortified vehicle, because this is the Storm Chasers episode. Flightless, flightless, flightless bird touchdown in America. I'm a flightless bird touchdown in America. When you first told me... Mm that you were thinking about doing this episode. Mm. This was while we were at the DMV, the first time. Yeah, seems like a lifetime ago. It really does. He said, I'm considering looking into these storm chasers Mm. and going with Mm. some storm chasers. Shotgunning. That's right, and getting sucked into a tornado. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then that's where my my artistic self and my personal self collide. Mm. And conflict, because mm. I don't want you to go into a tornado, but I knew it would probably be a good episode. Yes. Look, to sort of allay any fears that you had, and this is a bit of a spoiler, I went to Oklahoma in the time of the month that storms were meant to be the biggest. Okay. The weather was beautiful. Oh. It was amazing. <gasps> so I'm safe. Change. I'm fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. I did not ride shotgun in this episode. Oh. Um, But the storm chasers I spoke to, they were great. And next year, I've got a few offers to come out with them and try again. But it was basically just incredibly bad timing. And what time of year was it? What is the time? May, June is the time when it kicks off. And it just happened, honestly, it was the nicest weather of all time. (laughs) Have you ever been near a big storm? Yes. In America? Uh, Georgia has tornadoes. You're right. So I've been in them we used to have okay. tornado drills all the time oh, see this is what see this is what's so foreign like what was that like living knowing that that could happen you could just be randomly hit by a tornado well at school you'd have we'd have tornado drills like you had fire drills which is just basically you just get under your desk i'm pretty sure that was it we just practiced getting under our desk right similar to like an earthquake well drill, see almost. so that's what's funny it's depending on where you live in this country there's a drill you will have for the South in Georgia. Mm. It was tornadoes. Right. Here in LA, it's earthquakes. Yeah. And I remember when I was little, because I was scared of everything. And mm. you know, part of my prayer was no 
natural disasters and diseases. <laughs> right, two really scary things. Yeah. Yeah, that would be built into every prayer. Yeah, they were in my prayer. I was really scared of natural disasters, but for some reason, I was more scared of the ones that I didn't know about. Like, tornadoes didn't scare me that much, even though I was at much higher risk of dying that way. But earthquakes, I was so scared of. They scared the shit out of you. Oh, my God. And look, now my house is on a fault line. That's something I'm fascinated with because I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, why would anyone choose to live in a place where, you know, in Tornado Alley? Why would you do that? Here we are in California where the big one Supposed is meant to, to hit at, at some point time. and that will be horrific. And we know it's going to happen at some point. And oh, here we are. Here we are. Okay, but back to tornadoes. Sorry. Mm. So I had one I remember being very bad. I think I may have been in fifth-ish grade mm. or fourth. There was a big tornado and we had to get down to the basement. I mean, there were many times where we had to go down to the basement, but this one was scary. It was near us. Yeah. I think we had some big trees fall. Uh, so in your house, you went into your basement yes. or at school? In my house. Sorry, this okay. was at night. We all had to go down to the basement. And then the thought was to get in the tub in the bathroom in the uh -huh. basement. But it came and went. Mm -hmm. We only had some small damage, Minor but damage. nothing crazy. But one of my very best friends at the time, her house was completely ruined, completely destroyed. Just gone. Did you guys have tornado sirens in the neighborhood? I think they would put the sirens on if... We had, yeah, we had that in, in the Midwest. Yeah. Had, and then every Tuesday morning, they would do like, they'd the run them oh, as they a drill. Test. And it's just this eerie, creepy yeah. siren that Play goes it. on. Play it on YouTube. Yeah, it's almost like what they're playing, like war when like a bomb was exactly. coming in or something, right? yeah. a little bomb warning or something, I which do is so eerie. That. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Oh, it's scary. Yeah. So, so, so eerie. So you'd hear that and you need to get in your basement. Right. It's like, oh, that sound means get into shelter and was under that your like, desk. Or was that kind of like a fun, exciting activity, like when the power goes out, or were you scared? It was scary when it happened for real. Yeah. For me. I bet some people did find it exciting. I think some people would go outside and see and, yeah, and like these chasers. These are probably the people that would turn into chasers yes. that want to chase this thing. So it's a type of personalities. I'm interested in learning about these people. Have you both seen Twister, Rob and Mon? No. Yeah, I love Twister. When I they never came seen out. You've never seen it. We've got to get you watching more disaster <laughs> movies. Like Independence Day and Twister are top of the list now. I have a huge gap in Disaster movies. movie. Yes, I do. I mean, it's a genre. I mean, look, it's a very specific genre. And if you don't like disaster movies, well, it's fine. Well, I think my parents thought I was too scared. It which just I made you more probably scared. probably was. Yeah. Well, it's a very specific era, too, when we were in totally. like high school and junior high that those are all coming out. Yeah. Twister would have Volcano, been... Volcano, Twister, yeah, Armageddon. Peak. Oh, I loved Armageddon. <gasps> I said, okay, if you liked but Armageddon. That's because of Ben. Oh. That was because it was sexy. Like, they became sexy, those movies. Yeah. Twister was pre-sexy. Yeah, true. True, true, true. Independence Day is sexy. Okay. Any opinions before we meet some storm chasers on storm chasers? Do you have any kind of you like, this is delusional, this is exciting, this is interesting? My knee-jerk visceral mm. reaction is what is wrong with these people? Yeah, this is bonkers. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. I don't understand people who are literally driving into chaos, Yeah, love danger. Those people 
make me eye roll a bit and also feel annoyed. But then, you know, I met Dax and he's a chaos monger. Yeah. And I think that changed my opinion you about those types of people. Of who wants to rush into something that could be super dangerous. Yes, and I think I have much more compassion for the mm. childhood of a person like that. I don't think an extremely well-adjusted, totally idyllic childhood. I don't even know that that ever exists, but <laughs> ends up as a storm chaser. I think you have to have some background. Something's going on. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I am still undecided, but I would not do it myself. It seems too unpredictable and too crazy. Even though I'm saying that next year, I'm going exactly. to give it a go. I'm going to do it once, and I'm going to travel with someone that knows what they're doing. Yeah, but this is like people who tame tigers. And they, quote, know what they're doing until they get mauled until by they a get tiger. Eaten by a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. And we touch on that. I mean, some storm chasers end up dead. It happens. Yeah. Okay. It was the end of May, and I'd set off for Oklahoma. For months now, I've been watching an Instagram account called Oklahoma Weather Couple. They're a couple from Oklahoma who love the weather, mainly bad weather. I was glued to their various storm chasing videos before sliding into their DMs, wondering if I could come to Oklahoma to meet them. They were into it, and here I was. We'd lined up a date in May, good storm weather. But God had other plans. We were hoping that everything would work out for us to be able to chase some storms while you were here, but uh, unfortunately, Mother Nature didn't want to cooperate, so we've got this beautiful weather here today. Oklahoma weather couple on Instagram turn out to be Justin and Stephanie. They had offered to take me out on the road with them, storm chasing in Oklahoma. But that wasn't going to happen today. This is typically like our peak season, like our busiest time is right now. It's been quiet. There's been setups, but they've been more of your mesoscale type setups, a little bit harder to find and forecast. I'm not quite sure what I expected from storm chasers, but this couple wasn't it. We've met up in a random park in Oklahoma City, and they're just a couple of quiet nerds like me. Stephanie works from home. And Justin works in banking. I mean, during the day, it's the most boring job ever. I audit loans, and then by night, we're chasing tornadoes. So it's kind of like a Batman fill or something, you know. Or... Totally. And how did you guys meet? Did you meet over storms or something completely different? We actually met storm chasing. One I of his friends introduced us, so that's how I met is storm chasing him in a gas station parking lot in the middle of nowhere. It was in Shattuck, Oklahoma before a chase in 2017. So yeah, that is how we met. Somehow we had never crossed paths before storm chasing because we'd both been storm chasing for years. I would always kind of keep more to myself like on the back dirt roads, you know. I chased solo at the time before I met him. So, you know, especially being a woman, I was very careful about who I hung around, obviously, if you know, for safety reasons and stuff like that. So I would kind of just like keep to myself. But we just happened to be at the same gas station and that's how we met. And then we realized we had a lot of other things in common besides storm chasing, like music. Yes, they also shared a love of Guns N' Roses and Tool. Maybe not surprising as one of Tool's biggest hits is about praying for a great big storm. The interesting thing about these two is that they say they're less scared of the storms they find and more scared of the other chasers. We've had storm chasers killed in wrecks from other chasers not paying attention and it gets crazy out there. So that's my main concern is you're not only worried about the storm, but you're worried about how are these other people driving. So what of those other storm chasers? Who are they? 
I leave Oklahoma weather couple to their day. They invite me back again to try next year. I was curious about what made storm chasers tick. What do they have in common? What was their origin story? To help find out, I called up Jennifer Brindley. So storm chasing has traditionally been seen as a male-dominated thing. And that's because that's what we've seen in the media. And there have always been more men, but women have always been there. Jennifer's a professional photographer who usually takes photos of faces. But she takes May and June off to take photos of tornadoes. She's one of the most prominent female chasers in the country, documenting the fastest and largest tornadoes on record within the last 10 years. Many storm chasers have a foundational experience as a child, like a big tornado hits a town near them when they're young, or their own home, or different things like that. But for her, it was something else. My first exposure to storm chasing as a concept was actually in the movie Twister that came out in the 90s. It wasn't just me. It was a global phenomenon. And because we didn't have the internet back then, it was a fresh concept to everyone. Jennifer says while some people chase solo, it can be a huge bonus to have a chasing partner. In the action of the chase, two sets of eyes, two sets of ears, two brains. It's so much better than one. Whereas one person might be a little bit hyper-focused on one area, the other person can have a big picture view. Her partner Skip Talbot is a veteran chaser, doing it for over two decades now, and he agrees that Twister has a big part to play in America's storm-chasing scene. We've seen a number of booms over the years with popular media. The largest was probably the 1996 release of Twister, which is also, I'm not ashamed to admit, what inspired me as a 12-year-old to eventually become a storm chaser. And then Discovery Channel's storm chasers in the mid-2000s, we probably also saw another large boom. There was probably steady growth with the rise of the internet, mobile data, and the apps that we use today. And that's probably fueling a large amount of the growth. I always kind of assumed that maybe chasing had kind of plateaued in the early teens. And I'm not sure though. I think it still might be seeing some growth. So a few thousand chasers, if I had to guess. Both Jennifer and Skip watched Twister years ago before seeing the real thing for themselves and getting hooked. The bug really bites you. And (laughs) the supercells and the storms and the lightning and the structure are all really magnificent to behold. But once you see that tornado, you're just itching for the next one. It is like a drug. And if you want that drug, tornadoes with a capital T, America is the place to be. In America, we have the perfect meteorological setup for tornadoes and supercells. The Gulf of Mexico has a massive role in that, bringing up all that moisture. And then upper level winds come across. It's a dry air from the West, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico. And when those things collide with upper air support, we need moisture, we need instability, the nice heating, that daytime heating in the spring and the summer that we get. Those are our sources of lift. So it's just like the perfect melting pot for (laughs) all of those ingredients together. And there are people around the world who come to the United States to do storm chasing annually. It's a trek people take. She tells me she's seen 57 tornadoes so far. But is that 57 too many? I find myself wondering about how dangerous this is, really. In terms of the number of storm chasers who have actually died in a tornado, it's like half a dozen. It's like less than that. And so 
There are risks involved, but it also depends on how you chase and certainly who you're with. But the truth is, if you look at the numbers, it's way more dangerous to do things like horseback riding or rock climbing or windsurfing or any number of things where people die regularly. But that being said, a caveat of sorts. But we've also lost very, very experienced storm chasers. The El Reno, Oklahoma tornado on May 31st, 2013. And that was the big, well-known tornado that killed very experienced storm chasers. Researcher Tim Samaras, his son Paul Samaras, and their chase partner Carl Young. It happened to be the largest tornado on record. It was 2.6 miles wide, and it had a forward motion of about 50 miles per hour. It was so large that the vortices inside that tornado were the size of regular tornadoes. Thinking about this, I'm sort of glad I'm not out storm chasing today. I'm not sure it's for me. I guess I've got the rest of the year to decide if I come back in 2024. I guess what struck me the most about the storm chasers I'd met was how obsessed they are with what they do. You can see the glint in their eyes. For them, storm chasing is number one. I met my wife in college when I was already chasing, and that has been one of the compromises in our relationship, dealing with the storm chasing. And so everything from when the children are born, such that they're not born in the spring, to minor family holidays and events, all of that stuff needs to be worked around this thing that I do. Stay tuned for more Flight the Spirit. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Flightless Bird is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Now, one of the many things I needed to do when I got marooned here in America was get all the things I'd left behind in New Zealand, including a new mattress to sleep on. A giant, wonderful Helix mattress arrived at my door about a year and a half ago now, and so all my sleep problems were sorted. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection and the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers. There are even mattresses made just for kids. All you need to do is do what I did and take the Helix Sleep Quiz, which matches you with your perfect mattress in under two minutes. That mattress is then shipped straight to your door free of charge. You get a 100-night trial and a 10-15-year to 15 year warranty. So if you struggle to make decisions like I do, then it's great for people like you. And everyone is unique. Everyone sleeps entirely differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences, including models with memory foam layers to help provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side, plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. When I first moved to the US, I was sleeping on a friend's couch, and oh boy, I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. Also, don't take my word for it, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazines. Helix is currently offering 25% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners in honor of Labor Day. Go to helixsleep.com bird and use the code HELIXPARTNER25. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Flightless Bird is brought to you by AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I was sick of taking a bunch of separate things in the morning and wanted all my supplements in the one place. I'm lazy, basically. 
I drink AG1 in the morning before I hit the coffee, and it makes me feel set up for the day ahead, just knowing I'm doing something good for my body for once. AG1 is great value for money because it replaces a lot of other supplements like daily multivitamins. It's great for my gut health, maybe that's TMI, and it comes with adaptogens and a greens blend, literally all in one scoop of powder, and it tastes good. Basically, AG1 replaces your multivitamins and probiotics in one simple drinkable habit. One serving of AG1 a day gives me the foundational nutrition I need. It helps me make this podcast because I'm full of good stuff and I'm set up for the day. AG1 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced ingredients really do their thing. And I trust it. It helps it comes from New Zealand, where all the best stuff comes from, in my humble opinion. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com flightless. That's drinkag1.com flightless. Check it out. Skip is very passionate about, yeah, tornadoes, just like scheduling the births so that they know that the kids' birthdays won't interrupt storm chasing season. He might have been joking then, but I feel like he wasn't. I don't think he was. I want to do a real-time fact check. Yeah. I don't think that's correct, what she said, that it's way more dangerous to horseback ride and stuff. Oh, yeah, statistically, Because yeah. she's talking about the number of deaths, but she's not talking about percentage of people who do, who do it the task. versus yeah, how many deaths. So yeah. I would venture to say no. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. There are about 2,000 people storm chasing. Very small number. Compared um, to how many people yeah, horseback ride. Yeah, and as a group, she mentioned 12 people had died. It's high. Wow. It's a hard brain for me to relate to. I mean, it yeah, really when it's not is. your brain. Yeah. yeah what the hell? I mean, the thing that I found very funny is that honestly, it's mostly Twister. Like yes. kids watch Twister, thought yes. this is fucking cool. The power. It's Bill Paxton. It's Bill Paxton. And Helen yeah, Hunt. Yeah, and Helen Hunt. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, was yes. He? Yeah, Holy shit. He was on the other guys. When I was in Oklahoma, they're shooting Twister too. Oh, really? Yeah, they're making another one. So, I mean, that's probably not going to have the same impact that Twister had. I mean, Twister was this perfect idea where no one really knew that storm chasing was a thing. And so yes. everyone watching it was like, holy I shit. I can do that. I can do that. It's like people watch Jurassic Park and get excited about dinosaurs. Like yeah. people watch Twister and got excited about that. They're calling it Twisters. Oh. Very original. Well, yeah. I find it funny. Our first couple, our Oklahoma couple, she was saying how she would normally stick to herself because she had to be careful mm. because she doesn't want to hang out with strangers. Out on the road. Yeah, yeah, on her own in these really small towns. But that made me laugh because she's saying, I have to be careful. Yeah, but whilst what driving she's into doing, a storm. Yes, is yeah. like the most dangerous yeah, thing already. Yeah, I mean, the, the danger he's thinking of is like bad people on the road yes. while she's heading into like this giant storm. Yeah. The thing that I didn't know about is that there are solo chases, but mostly they pair up. They often won't be husband and wife because one in the couple will love it and the other won't. Uh -huh. So there'll be buddies that will go out and chase because when you're looking out the window – and you're driving yes. or you're looking at your GPS and trying to film really difficult. Yeah. So generally like you have someone driving and then the other person spotting and seeing what's going on. Yeah. And the other thing that people get speaking of is the main danger is that 
there's a big storm. So all these people just congregate in this area. They're all driving, I imagine, quite intensely chasing. Yes. And so, and then suddenly if the storm changes as well, direction and everyone's fleeing at the same time, it's not like you're on your own, like driving. There's a bunch of other people also terrified. And so you're dealing with all of that. It's surreal. That was brand new. I never thought about that aspect of it, that there's multiple out there and everyone's trying to do the same thing at yeah. very recklessly. All congregating. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. And, you know, some people go in with a lot of skills and other people go in who are yes. just starting. And the ones that are just starting then create danger for the people that do know what they're doing. Because it's a spectrum of craziness. Like some people are so safe and so careful and have things mapped out compared with others who are just like, oh, I hear there's going to be a storm, jump in the Toyota and like tear into it, you know? Do you think you could be married to someone who was, was off a, doing was something a storm like this? chaser? Yeah. I'm an avoidant in a relationship. So mm-hmm. for me, it would probably be quite good because it'd always be the idea of them dying would sort of entice me back into the relationship. A bit. David! <laughs> I'm just being honest. Okay. Yeah. You're right. It would. 2023 is your year of honesty. And that was really good that you said that. That was vulnerable. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not, I, I know it's not a great trait and I'm trying to fix it. Right. But, but that would, I think it would literally make me stay with my partner because they could die. They could die. And that would like sort of get and me like sort of hot? interested again. Can you tell me more about that? So if you avoid my nightmare scenario is being in a relationship with someone that really loves me a lot and is always there because yeah. I'm just like, oh, just no, I need to get away from this. Okay. But if someone is sort of off in the distance somewhere, for me and my stupid brain is much more enticing kind of thing. Well, is it like it's hard to have, hard to get? It's Once you have thing. it. It's like That's boring. part of it. It's like, oh, you know, like the chase is over. This is boring. It's right. like a really stupid lizard brain thing. But I think if someone is off chasing tornadoes, that might be quite not healthy, but a, it would definitely like. It would be very unhealthy, actually. It would, it would be would just super be, unhealthy. It'd be, you'd be But it would temporarily your... solve my problem. That's really interesting. I would advise you to take contrary action if you mm. want to be healthier and not. Mm. Date a storm chaser. Date someone who's always potentially going to die at any moment. Well, you know, the other thing is maybe this is a good brain hack for you. Mm. We're all going to die at any moment. Just imagine that. Just imagine my partner dead any moment. We are at any moment. Any one of us could die. So so hang on to them in that that day and in that moment. Well, yeah. Or if you want to like tap into your avoidant nature, you can maybe trick yourself by saying, well, even someone who's with you all the time, who loves you a lot, they could also die. Just be imagining hideous deaths for them all the the time and just that balance things. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Storm chasing. Let's get back in. I mean, there was no storm, so I had to sort of deviate off the plan. So this is where things went. (laughs) Just because there was no stormy weather around me right now in Oklahoma, that doesn't mean there hadn't been stormy weather recently. Justin and Stephanie, the Oklahoma weather couple, had reminded me of this. So the strange thing is, is the town of Cole, just south of Oklahoma City, they've been hit twice in less than a month, which is highly unusual. I realized that Cole is just a little over 30 minutes drive away from Oklahoma City. And back on April 19th, it had got hit by a big tornado. And then three weeks ago, it had got hit again. A tornado on the ground, we believe, just incredible. There's a field about a mile and a half from me, and that's where that dust is coming from. And it's being lifted up into the storm. Justin and Stephanie were actually there for the first one, the biggest. 
And so they were in shock when they realized coal was about to get hit again. I was in disbelief as we're watching a tornado developing from the exact same location where we filmed the first one. And so I decided to drive to coal. I wanted to know how this tiny town of 600 people was doing after being hit twice in the space of a month. It didn't take long to drive there. A small sign announced I'd arrived after about 40 minutes. And it wasn't needed because it was obvious where I was. I could see the damage the tornado had left behind. The two tornadoes. There was a lot of farmland around me, and to my left an entire metal shed had been leveled. I kept driving, and pulled into the parking lot of a local church. Part of its roof had been torn off, and I wandered up to a contractor who had turned up to fix it. Do a lot of inspections, damage assessments, mainly due to storm-related weather damage. Living in this part of America, do you just kind of get used to the fact that the weather's just going to be an issue that's always there? Yeah, you prepare for it. My house has actually been hit by a tornado living here in Oklahoma. You'll see a lot of catastrophe adjusters show up from insurance companies, a lot of contractors waiting outside just to get your pen on the paper. No kidding. America, the land of opportunity, I guess. I leave Adam to do his work and wander back down the hill towards the destroyed farm building I'd seen earlier. There's still cleanup going on everywhere. Big trucks driving by with rubble and old bits of building. Big digger over here, digging a whole lot of junk out into the back of another truck. Off to my side I see Main Street. I'd missed it when I'd driven by. There are a bunch of small houses scattered along it, and I see a sign for FEMA. The Federal Emergency Management Agency had set up a temporary command centre here. They have a few trailers, and five people are sat outside on laptops. Hey, how are you? How you doing? They're friendly enough, but no one at FEMA will go on the record, telling me I need to get approval from their main PR people. So I decide just to wander along the road to see if anyone who lives here wants to talk to me about what went on. The houses here are small and humble and weather-beaten. I see one house is blown over, a tree branch through the front windshield of a rusty old Chevy parked out the front. I remember I'm in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of America, and I'm not sure if it's the dogs barking But suddenly I remember guns exist here, and I wonder if it's okay to just wander up to houses here and knock on doors, holding a mic. I give it a try. I needn't have worried. A woman emerges with a tired but friendly smile. Her dogs are loud, but thankfully small and very friendly. You've got a lot of dogs. Well, this one and the little weenie dog is ours, and we babysit our grand dogger. Every day while our son goes to work. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're just getting over the tornado. She says she's a bit under the weather, but walks me around the back of their house and yells to someone who's apparently up on the roof. Are you up on the roof, baby? Yeah. You want to come talk to this young man? Eventually, a very tall, wiry and tanned man emerges from around the back of their house. He's wearing a cap and wipes some sweat from his brow. I'm David. Hey, uh, I feel bad bringing you down from your. Oh, you didn't bother me. in the shade. The man gestures to a couple of deck chairs that are sitting under some trees. Some wind chimes gently chiming in the wind. Gentle wind today, thankfully. And we sit down. I'm Jural. It's nice so, to meet you. 
Where are you from? I'm from New Zealand. New Zealand? Oh, oh man, you've been, you been walking far, eh? Gerald cracks himself up, and I remember how 30 seconds ago I was worried about being shot. Seems very silly now. I've been here for, oh, 67 years, man, and grew up here. My family's been here since the 1800s, you know, so this is hometown. What's good about this is... The crime and stuff like that's not so bad as Oklahoma City. You know, there's a shooting there every day on TV and all that. And the only bad thing about it is if you need something, you have to go to town to get it. He tells me he's a truck driver, but he always comes back here. This is home, man. This is everybody asks me, you know, it's about I'm already in heaven, man. (laughs) Of course, there is the small case of all the tornadoes. It was bad. I mean, we all got in the cellar. I've got a cellar and had my son, grandson, granddaughter, and the dogs were all in there. And when you come out, you don't know if anything's left because you're seeing stuff bang off the walls. And then you step out and then it's uh, it's kind of like walking into hell. Trees laying down, houses blowed away. Like my neighbor down here, she was in Norman when it hit. So she wasn't at home, and thank God, she's 73 years old, and she's doing chemo and all that, you know, and it blew her roof off and everything. I worked at that mill for years, and a buddy of mine's got the farm there. He just passed away. His son and his wife was there. They rode out to storm in one of those little shelters. Their house was totaled. I mean, you know, the barn's gone, house is gone. He just got to start all over he says somehow he just got lucky. Nothing happened. The guys that filmed that, the storm chasers, when they says like a razor's edge, right 100 yards down here, it's total destruction. And then someone was smiling down on us. I'm not, I'm not all that religious, but, you know, there's something kind of watching. I think he's probably right. I've been blessed. I've been struck by lightning a few times, too, though. Gerald strikes me as a half-glass-full kind of guy. He says, if anything, having two tornadoes helped him with the roof he's been fixing. I retired, and then I had some money coming in and everything. We got that money, we was going to put the roof on. Well, just about the time we're getting ready to do it, the Lord decided he's going to help us take off some of the shingles. <laughs> he did. I had to do it anyway, so, you know, that's kind of cool. Looking up at his half-repaired roof, I look down to the ground and realise I've never been in a storm shelter before. Could I see your storm cellar? I've never been in a storm cellar. It might be flooded too. This is an old one. Dug this cellar back in the 60s. It's about 65. He walks me around the back of the house again, and there it is. I've seen it in a million movies, but never in real life. The storm shelter door. This is old. I mean, this is old style. Yeah, the floor's a little wet. The floor's a little wet, Gerald had said, and he wasn't lying. There's about a foot of water down here. One time I had a bed and stuff. I played guitars down in there, but it's been a little wet lately, so. There's a table and some bunk beds and some electrical cables strung about that I don't really want to think about with all that water. I imagine riding the recent tornadoes out down here. And Gerald admits this recent one got pretty hairy. I'm going, this is getting kind of... Because I was afraid I was going to yank him out. And you, you see on the movie Twister where they're hanging, I'm going, I was hanging on to him and he's hanging on me. And his wife was hanging on to me. Is this the closest you've been to a storm like this? No, I've been through four or five of them. Silly question. 
I wonder if he's ever tempted just to leave, to pack up and leave coal, to leave Oklahoma. After weathering out multiple tornadoes, I just can't imagine staying somehow. But he says wherever you go in America, there's always something that's going to get you. I told my wife, I, I, I metal detecting and everything. I just don't want to go to, like, either Alaska, go gold mining, or maybe the desert. I said, you know, they don't have storms out in deserts. She goes, yeah, but they got snakes. <laughs> so, you know, wherever you go, there's going to be something. There, if you go to the coast, you're going to have hurricanes. If you go to mountains, avalanches, freeze to death. And then if I went to Alaska... They got grizzly bears, leeches, so they, you know, there's nothing really, no animals around here that I'm scared of. So, but. There's a lot of stuff in America that can kill you. Yeah, there is, there is. I thank Gerald for his time and wish him well with the roof. Before I leave, he mentions his neighbor, who maybe had an even luckier escape. My neighbor, he's in a little barn with his horse over. He rode out to storm and that little barn, that barn's 100 years old. He figured that, let, you know, it's been there that long. And so I walked down the road and introduced myself. Larry, who rode the storm out with his horse in the barn, was a lot shorter than Gerald's. He's got a cheeky grin and has a medallion dangling around his neck. How long have you lived here for? Uh, about 45 years. We lost two people. I'm sorry. But, I mean, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. I was in my horse barn when they come through. How was that for a shelter spot? Yep, we lost our horse barn. <laughs> we lost our horse barn. I looked down to where his horse barn was, and he's right. It's in bad shape. Except for the stall where he rode the storm out with his horse, Red. Red, little Red. Yep. Little lucky Red. It was something else. It's not like it is on seeing it on TV when you're out there seeing it. There's all kinds of stuff in there. What was the noise like? Sound like jet airplanes. You know, everybody says it sounded like a train. Didn't sound like about five jet airplanes in our yard. <laughs> it was loud. Somehow, hunkered down in a stall with his horse while his barn disintegrated around him, Larry survived. I don't want to go through it again. And I've just met you, but I pray to God you never go through something like that. It's, it's rough. Today's calm, so it's hard to imagine what happened here was less than a month ago. And no one I've met plans to move, by the way. They all love it here. And everyone I've spoken to today talks about how the whole community came together to help rebuild, to feed each other, and just be there for each other. FEMA's just down the road, coordinating a lot of aid. But you also get the feeling this community doesn't really need much beyond each other. And that's kind of great. I mean, it could be a hell of a lot worse. But that's about it. I mean, just a little small town, everybody gets along. We don't have no law, don't need no law. I really liked Cole. I that town. Love those people so much. I get very nostalgic when I hear a southern accent like that. What is it about it? I'm not from here and I still feel this pull. It's so relaxed and enticing. There's a warmth about warmth. it. I mean, I've complicated feelings around mm the South and Southerners, but I also feel very at home hearing those tones. Yeah. You know, he's just fine with you being there. It still blows my mind. If I was making the show in New Zealand, New Zealanders are very shy. They want to know why they have to talk about something. Right. They're deeply suspicious about what it's for and where it's going. In America, that doesn't really happen, but no more so than in Cole. It's the first time where I felt scared knocking on a door. Yeah. Because these were like small trailers and super low key. 
and there was no one around. And I just thought they might not want me knocking on their door and yeah. their guns. Never before has someone been so, it still freaks me out. There was no question about why I was even recording them. I was going to ask, did you tell Nothing. them? No, they just were like, come and sit down and yeah. talk. They didn't know what it was for. They didn't. They were just like, happy to have a chat. I know. And the idea that, that I was recording it didn't matter. hospitality right there. I mean, that really is what it is. And they'd also just been, you know, three weeks ago, been through something harrowing. Devastating. And they were just, I oh, just wanted to chat and fill me in and be warm and great. And it was wow. marvelous. You should send them something. Yeah, I should. I've got their addresses. Yeah, I was kind of stuck with this episode because I'm not going storm chasing. I sort of failed in that, you know, I can talk to some storm chasers, but we're not chasing. Yeah. Right? I drive to this town, not FEMA won't talk because they're a government agency and just won't. I've got to go through the PR people and it's oh, useless, mm-hmm. useless to me. I need audio. And then these two lovely people just tell these really cool stories and wow. also make the really good point that, yeah, wherever you are, something will probably kill you. Bear You're, attack, avalanche, yeah. hurricane, You earthquake. can't change your life due to the fears because yeah. there will always be something. Yeah, This reminded me because, you know, I was feeling so warm towards these people. Another reason that storm chasers put me off Mm. a little bit is these things kill people. Not like they kill the chasers. They kill innocent people. There are people in underground shelters. There's someone hiding with their horse. This is what you're excited about, and it feels rude or something. It's like these are the things that kill people. You shouldn't enjoy them. Completely. There's this idea of tourism around something yes, that like is a, dark a real. Tourist. It's, it's full dark tourism. Yes. And to be fair, I did bring this up with a couple of them, and they acknowledge that that they're going to places where people are desperately trying to avoid this thing that they're going to find. Something that did make me feel better about it. Everyone talked about how when they're in these towns, they often stop. A few of them they're there before oh, really? the first responders, and they'll essentially help out. They'll be there and they'll help, which is cool. But there is that idea of, yeah, leering in at this thing when it's something that other people want to run away from. And I think that's a really interesting ethical thing. And yeah, I felt that as well. How would these people feel as they hide in the barn with the horse? They look down the road and there's a bunch of people just photographing it for fun. Fun. But all the storm chasers acknowledged it. Yeah. They got it, which was good. It's like they're aware of it. Mm-hmm. But it is that weird thing clashing up against each other. Very interesting psychology. Yeah. This was great. I enjoyed this. I felt, I think you probably should be cautious when you're knocking on some doors in the United States. But mm-hmm. it also made me remember that is scary as my image of certain parts of America are. I can also get it like very wrong. And these yes. people were just like chill as fuck Lovely. and the loveliest people around yeah. and some of my favorite people to talk to. So it was cool. I'm glad you didn't get sucked into a tornado and die. Thank you. I'm Yeah, I'm really glad too. I don't really want to be in one. Like Larry told me, he hopes I never have to like hear that jet engine noise that he heard. Yes. So I'm with him. And I hope with your new lease on life, mm-hmm. you work on your avoidant tendencies. More American or less American? More. For sure. Yes. For sure. Coal is very American. I love coal. Loved coal. And it was only 30 minutes out of Oklahoma City. You're in Oklahoma City, 30 minutes, you're in this tiny, cute, little, beautiful town that's rebuilding after not one but two tornadoes come through. Sending my love to coal. All right. Thanks, Mom. Bye. Bye. Bye.